On today's episode of Real Estate Insiders Unfiltered, we get to talk about Wall Street, their love and hate relationship with real estate, love in that they love tech companies, hate in that the real estate companies always have a lower valuation. We get to talk about Open Door, we get to talk about the lawsuits. So put your ears on, let's get started. You talk about it privately, we talk about it publicly. This is the Real Estate Insiders Unfiltered Podcast. Welcome again to the Real Estate Insiders Unfiltered Podcast. I'm your host, James Dwiggins, along with my co-host, Keith Robinson, AKA Crazy Uncle Keith. Keith, tell us what's uh, what's this episode all about? What is up, everybody? Yeah, so we had John Campbell with us who basically spends most of his day trying to figure out uh, Wall Street and real estate and how those two things fit together. Uh, we we covered a bunch of different topics. We dug in on uh, the lawsuits that are happening. We dug in on CoStar and Zillow about to have a fist fight in the parking lot to see who can win. Um, we talked about why does Wall Street hate real estate brokerages from, from a valuation standpoint and a bunch more. So we even talked about Open Door in there too. So. We did, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. So great guy, great information, tons of insight. Uh, get your ears ready, kiddos. You're gonna like this one. All right, John, welcome to the show. I know that uh, Keith and I are very excited to have you here. I always like to, um, I've known John for many years now, and uh, I like to call him the smartest guy in the room <laughs> that nobody's actually met, uh, because you're in all the same events I am, and you're in the back of the room, but nobody knows who you are and, and what you do. So I think that's maybe a good starting point is like, tell the listeners just who is John Campbell? Like, who is John? And dig into obviously what you do for a living, because I think it's very fascinating. Yeah, thanks. Well, I really appreciate you guys having me. And as James mentioned, we've we've rapped for many years now, um, <laughs> and I would I would uh, reciprocate that and say that James is one of the smartest guys I've met. Um, I, I saw the Risk Media and some of the stuff. You guys were the most innovative. Was that the the the, the ranking the yeah, most was, innovative uh, company? Yeah, Fortune. Yeah. Fortune yeah, just named us that. Yeah, yeah we're really proud awesome. of that. Even better, oh. right? Mm -hmm. I'll, um, I'll, then, I'll Venmo you the payment for saying that. Yeah. Loud. I appreciate that. Um, yeah. So on me, um, I, I'm John. Campbell, I cover uh, real estate services here for, for Stevens Inc. Um, I started this approach a long time ago where on Wall Street, we're going to be kind of most of the time, you know, vertically focused. You're going to cover just software, insurance companies, medical devices, transportation, whatever that's going to be. We've taken a little bit of a unique approach in that we're doing kind of a, a horizontal, almost a value chain approach where we take real estate as the general industry and we cover all the companies that kind of fall into that value chain of finding a home, getting a mortgage, getting it through the system, closing it with title insurance and all that stuff. So we cover a broad swath of companies. I've got to understand the valuation and be able to you know, stomach a six times earnings multiple for a title insurance company <laughs> and then a 20 times revenue multiple for a Zillow at times, right? So um, it's a bit of a unique approach. Um, we we do try to stay a little bit in the shadows, as James mentioned, because if I come out and raise my hand and say, hey, I'm a Wall Street analyst, I'm going to write everything that you say, then <laughs> I've lost all my access, right? Yeah, uh, right. And, and so like, you know, not, not that we're trying to be coy or trying to be hidden, but um, we do try to prefer that uh, approach where we can work with companies, um, work with counterparts, with industry players, and, and try to learn as much as we can. Because, you know, if we're making, if we're helping um, the the portfolio managers at a T row or Wellington or Fidelity help manage your 401k. Um, we're going to them with insights and trying to trying to determine what the best stock calls are. Um, and part of that approach is, you know, we've all got access to the same information. 
company filings, transcripts, yeah. earnings reports, whatnot. So the way we, we try to get the edge is we get deeper into the industry, right? We work, go down into the grassroots and, and really work with industry counterparts um, and try to determine, you know, big thematic changes. If we've, if we've run across something that is, you know, more near term, that's a stock call. We'll go out to investors and try to, you know, make some noise um, just depending on what, what the messages we're hearing. And I, I like to go to these conferences kind of with a blank, blank slate. You know, I might have an opinion on something in an industry. Yeah. I might not like iBuying, but but I'm going to go try to validate that, right? I'm going to talk to, to, to industry players and talk to those who are actually touching the transaction. Um, so that's that's been our approach. Um, I've done this for almost a decade now. Um, this is a really fascinating industry. It is. It feels like it, it feels yeah. like it moves so fast, and therefore, and, and at times doesn't change at all. You know, it's just yeah. like right, it's a right. constant kind of moving target. But for me personally, I'm a lifelong learner. Um, I, I tend to get bored if I'm doing the same thing often, right? Sure. So it's a constant changing dialogue, which is a great thing for me. Um, but that's that's kind of our approach. So as people have found out more about, you know, you and, and Stevens, uh, I'm assuming a lot of the publicly traded companies, I don't know what's the right word for it, court you to talk about what they're doing, where they can, I'm assuming, um, because you're obviously influencing essentially, potentially like what they're perceived by the investment community. Is that, is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, that's one of those things where when, when I talk to friends who, cause this industry is kind of unique, um, cause you're separated to the buy side and sell side research, right? Buy side is going to actually be touching the transaction, making the investment decisions. We're helping them in that process. Um, and so some, sometimes, you know, friends will ask me, you know, what is it exactly you do? The response is when, when a news item hits, I am, cra I am helping craft that narrative. Right. As opposed to going to Google and like, what, what does this mean? I am the one providing the content of maybe what that means. And so that's a, that's a great spot to be. And, and of course, as a company, you, you know, you want to influence me to some extent with, if you've got a long-term strategic plan, let's take Zillow, for example, the, mm -hmm. the, the housing app, right. They can go lay out um, the exact targets of what they think financially the next several years. It's up to me and to my competitors, essentially, to determine the achievability of that, right? right? Like what are the inputs that go into that? How much of this can we actually believe? And then we provide opinions in our research, right? Well, and and how much you can believe in then what that will do to the share price, right? Like That's so right. How, how will it really yeah. inf impact <laughs> the bottom right. line of the company? That's so right. your job is to cut through all the bullshit basically yeah. and figure <laughs> out what's the what's what's reality. And then you say we recommend, you know, this stock could be priced at this if this occurs or we don't think That's this right. is achievable, et cetera. Yeah. And in the spirit of unf unfiltered, yes, it is cutting through the bullshit is the yes. best way to put it. Absolutely. Yeah. I told you, Keith, I'd swear at some point. It's starting <laughs> yeah. to get more comfortable with is. this thing. There it is. Um so let's talk about that for a second, because I think that's interesting. Um, you know, you've got uh, Zillow, you've got CoStar coming into the space. And I, I think we'll dig into this quite a bit, you know, as far as headwinds and, and things along those lines. So, you know, CoStar is big talk right now. Um, you know, they're potentially the 800 pound gorilla that's more capitalized than Zillow. Um, you know, do you see that? Do you see them dethroning them potentially? Do you think there's an opportunity that the, the tide shift from Zillow being the number one, like most trafficked website in real estate period now, yeah, uh, where, yeah, not even close to CoStar coming in and being able to do that. I mean, from what yeah. my experience is, they've been able to do it in other sectors. They certainly have a lot of, a lot of money and Andy's ruthless. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> I think, I think you nailed it. Um, 
I think high level, assuming things don't change and the status quo remains, which you can never really bank on in the real estate industry, but um, <laughs> I think they could coexist. Uh, I think they are structurally going at two different sides of the market. Mm-hmm. Um, however, with the lawsuits in mind, um, who knows if this industry uh, landscape changes completely. Um, we'll have to see there. It's going to be a long process, multiple years before we get any resolution. I think there could be changes along the way before we even hit that resolution point. But, um, you know, at the, like the, at, the, at the heart of the matter, you've got a company in CoStar that is very well capitalized overcapitalized, right? They've yeah. got $5 billion in their balance sheet that they don't really know exactly what they're going to do with quite yet. <laughs> yeah. With the way the valuations have gone <laughs> in high, this industry. Right. That's, that's a high a, class yeah. problem. That's, that a, that's a good a, problem yeah. to have for, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I mean, you've got valuations that have been cut 50, 60, 70% across the space. There's a lot of assets out there that you could bucket into $5 billion. Right? Yeah. Right. Um, so when you say so, assets, just just, just in case someone's listening, public you mean companies, private, bunch of public yeah. companies, private companies that yeah. touch the real estate space in some way That's that right. could provide big value to CoStar if they were to try to come in. That, That's right. That's yep. right. I mean, in multiple different industries, there has been just this really wide, and it's widened over the last several years, disconnect between public company valuations and private company valuations. That's not the same for, for real estate, right? Mm-hmm. Like, there's mm-hmm. been a convergence in, in, in a big way. And it's not because the privates have shot lower. It's just the publics have gone to meet the private valuations. Um, yeah. So yeah, I think you're starting to see that for sure. But, you know, the heart of the matter here with, with CoStar is you do have a very robust balance sheet. You've got a very capable leadership team. Like Andy, I, I use all this term all the time, but it's like the whole skating where the puck's going with Gretzky. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, mm-hmm. that's what Florence does. Um, a lot of these decisions he's making right now, um, I don't think he's going to come out publicly and be like, well, I think the lawsuits are going in this direction, but I think he's certainly got a mind. He's got an eye where he thinks those things are going, and I think some of these acquisitions are kind of lining up with that. Um, so you've got those two things that are important. You've got a management team that's very capable and can can skate to where the puck's going. You've got a lot of capital to go make things happen. And then maybe the bigger thing here is you have an industry leader that some of their key customers don't particularly love, mm-hmm. right? You think you mean, about- Now you're talking about Zillow. Zillow, right? right. talking mm-hmm. about Zillow. And so, yeah. um, and some of the stakeholders outside of just the agents who are spending the money as independent contractors, you've got a lot of the- consolidations of power that don't like Zillow particularly. Yeah. you got the MLS yeah. system that doesn't particularly like Zillow. So those three things combined in and of itself gives them a fighter's chance, right? Sure. To actually sure. unseat them. Now, Zillow has absolutely spent majority of its focus on winning the customer mm-hmm. and the customer is going to really dictate a lot of the stuff, right? Sure. So, and, and that's so beyond like all of those pieces, right? Like thinking about it as someone who the human being who wants to search for a house, Right. Yeah. Like how really is that these two titans smashing each other over the head? What do you think the byproduct is for the the human trying to find the home that they want to buy? Is a, it a better process? Yeah. It's it, 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 these two like because CoStar to win over the consumer there. They can try with marketing dollars, but that's yeah. that's going to be, be tough. tough right. Because right? right? Zillow's very sticky. I mean, they it is where embedded. a lot of people. Yeah. 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 They're yeah. embedded. Um, 
like my wife, I mean, constantly sending me listings from Zillow constantly. You know, it's like this, that, yeah. they, they have, they have centered every time, themselves. Every time the, you get a bonus, she sends yeah, you exa- Exactly. <laughs> She's like, well, I heard home prices are going down. I'm like, yeah. but it's going down 1% off of 20% compound yeah. for multiple years. Yeah. So like, yeah. She's like, and she went to sleep yeah. when you said that, by the way. Yeah. So, right. Yeah. She's like yeah. compounded. Um, yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, I, I do think the consumer experience right now, um, with Zillow, it, it is less than ideal. Sure. I, I, as a consumer, say, hey, I'm looking at this property. It's got standard MLS listing data, so it's not any different from what I'm seeing on, mm-hmm. on, on Realtor.com or Redfin. Right. Um, all I want to know, and I'm halfway ser- serious about this house, could be a lot more serious if I just knew it had a backyard fence, right? I've got three right, dogs. Right, I'm about to right. move. I hit contact agent. It goes to the call center. Then mm-hmm. it goes to somebody who's paid to have access to me. And I ask the question, is there a fence? They say, I don't know. Right. We can go tour it. I'm going to try to get you further down the funnel and create a lead. Right, out of right, you. Right, right. Or I can call that agent. I'm like, well, I could have just called that agent. Right. So mm-hmm. CoStar's approach is the, the chain of communication. It'll be an ecosystem between the seller's agent and the consumer. So that's a mm-hmm. better process for the consumer. But the question is, can you monetize that? Right. right. Yeah. For CoStar. That's well, I mean, question. is it is it also I mean, to put it bluntly, I've, they're like, well, it's your, they're, the phrase is your list and your lead. I'm like, I remember those days with Trulia. Yeah. And then it all changed. Right. Uh, you know, so is it and I'm I, I'm not I'm just speculating, but, you know, you, you're going to have to be able to get the revenue. I mean, I made that's a good segue. So, you know, mm-hmm. there's going to have to be revenue at some point in order to justify, yeah. you know, the the endeavor and the valuation. So I, I think that's a great segue to why is it that Wall Street is always valuing these tech companies at, at a different level than a traditional, I mean, I can't call it traditional, but like a real estate company that's got a, you know, it's got a consistent revenue stream. You know what it's going to be. It's going to go up in a fast market. It's going to come down a little bit in slow markets. And it always bounces back around. Whereas yeah, these tech why, companies that have no revenue. Wall Street hate yeah. real estate? Um, <laughs> well, well, some of it, uh, some of it, it, just, it depends on the pocket you're talking about, right? Because, uh, if it's real estate brokerages, part of the reason that investors have been frustrated there is w- w- everybody's got to worry about the battle of interest rates and the battle of mm-hmm. overall U.S. transactions. But then we got to think about this big battle of agent compensation, right? So mm-hmm. it's like it feels mm-hmm. a little bit like a race to the bottom, right, where you've got these these converging market trends of home sales getting eradicated or getting wiped out combined with having to pay agents more and more and more right mm-hmm. um and so it just people I, I think investors say we don't feel like we can win either one of those battles and so like you know and the other side of it is you've had all these brokerages talk about attach rates attach rates has been like the big yeah. buzzword right <laughs> attaching mortgage I, that has Which been is hard. It's hard ep- to do. It has been an epic failure. I think yeah. if yeah. you look across the space, and now some of this is out of their control, like the gain on sell, like it gets really down in the weeds where like you're just not making as much on a per transaction basis. And mm-hmm. Redfin was a shining example of this. They like doubled up their attach rates. And if you were a casual investor and just looked at their mortgage segment, you would say things are going awful there. And it's because mm-hmm. they're getting paid less per transaction. Mm-hmm. Now, those things will fix themselves in time because the, the rate at which interest rates picked up, it just caught everybody like yeah, no, nobody sure. can manage costs to that to that to that degree. Right. But even, to that even, just to push back that on a little, just a touch. Right. But mm-hmm. those. Yes, there's been, you know, downward pressure on profitability for brokerages. That That's true. You, you know, down and to the right and agreed. But I also think, and in, in, I'm open to hearing that I'm wrong, but there's sort of this 
kind of home run hitters mentality now on Wall Street where like if it if it can't go yard, I'm not interested in base hits. I'm not <laughs> yeah. interested in base hits in the gap, even if yeah. it's a profitable business that makes money. And there's a sort of uh, over focusing on the unicorn or uh, or the home run hit in yeah. real estate brokerage specifically. Right. It's we love it. We're, we're we we're near it, uh, mm-hmm. but it isn't like sexy. Right. You're not going to have some change that gets it a 4x multiple uh, in 18 months. Whereas with software or some of these other things you can, right? Yeah. So yeah uni- unicorn hunting and real estate brokerage is, is not a unicorn. I think that's right. Um, yeah. From a wall street perspective, we are going to typically align and group ourselves, our coverage around certain pockets of the industry into like mm-hmm. a transportation or banks, right? You're going to have a team at, a point seventy two or T row who is solely that's where they live, right? They're right. gonna be invested in that. And if it's hedge fund, they'll go long short and they're gonna stay in that little pocket. Mm-hmm. There's just not as much exact overlap of real estate, right? Um, right. Like right, right. when you think about real estate and overlap, you typically think about REITs, right? There are right. teams that do nothing but REITs. Mm-hmm. There's just and I'm hoping and our 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 view, my vision literally ten years ago was that I would try to be there early and then eventually if you build it, they will come. Right. Like right. if you, if you and, and I think you've seen pockets of it come about, mm-hmm. but, uh, for right now, this is, you know, real estate, some of these names, they just kind of fall into this generalist territory yeah. where you're going to, you're going to take positions based on what the economic backdrop is. So if Period. rates are higher, you're right. not there. Right. Yeah, and yeah, I think yeah. that's been a lot of it. Some of it is people have been frustrated. Some of the people throwing up their hands and say, well, my thesis is blown up here. I'm not, not, it's not playing out the way I expected. Yeah. But for the large part, I think a lot of this wipe out across the real estate universe has just been rotation. Yeah. What about, what about, so let's, I, I think the attach rate number is interesting. So we could talk about open door. Um, or even when Zillow had their, you know, their iBuying program, which obviously mm-hmm. Rich exited. I think that caught everybody off guard because yeah. at least it, I, I don't know anybody that was like, wait, what? You just shut the whole thing down? Yeah. Um, and then obviously. oppression move though. If you I, yeah. He look seemed at, to have <laughs> seen something that nobody else saw because he got out before it, it was blood in the streets, mm-hmm. you know? And I'm not, to be clear with my statement, like I'm not saying what, what they were doing wasn't bad for the consumer. I think the consumers should have an option for, mm-hmm. you know, the ability to have an all cash mm-hmm. walk away from this property. I think our industry should be doing that. It's a whole separate conversation. But what I, what I guess my comment is for years, they've been talking about attach rates and Wall Street was like, yeah, this is great. It's going to be, you know, look at the stock prices two years ago. All of us who were in the industry, like, you're never going to get more than 20% attach rates. Like unless you're doing stuff illegally, like it's just look at the, look at the history of it. So I I was, you know, listening to earnings calls going like, we're going to get this attach rate. I'm like, no, you're not, not unless Mm -hmm. you want to cross RESPA lines. So how does it that, I guess I'm asking the question, how did Wall Street get it so wrong? I mean, that they're, I mean, it's kind of a big egg in the face, I think with some of these companies and where they yeah. expected them to be versus where they are. Just yeah. don't get fired. Just don't get fired, John. Total line here, total line daily. But, um, yeah. yeah, I, you know, you could probably put me somewhere in the camp between yourself and wall street, um, where I thought that attach rates could be naturally structurally better solely because there is a technology approach. They're meeting you digitally. They can buy a house, then, make the repairs and then not, almost like a cellophane mm-hmm. package where you're not crossing the RESPA uh, mm-hmm. threshold, but like 
it's all kind of packaged. It's bundled, right? Sure. I, I was thinking that structurally you should have a better shot at gold than that. I do think they've done better than the kind of brokerage average, but um, you know, there, there are people like just because in Wall Street, we're always looking for analogs because it's been done here. It can be done here, right? You look at stuff like Lennar, right? Like mm-hmm. the home builders, like 80% attach rates. That's pretty good. Why? Yeah. Because they are structuring their product and it's part of the whole cellophane package, right? That they put in front of consumers. I think open door and buy buyers had a potential to do that. I, I, I do think with more time that will get better for them. Um, so I, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of mixed on that one. Um, you know, you know, what's interesting is I, uh, I, I'm with you on the Lennar is a good example because it's a package because it's Lennar's package where I think everybody gets it wrong is they underestimate the relationship between the agent and the client. The broker, yeah. I think everyone underestimates that because if the agent says, this is my loan this is my loan guy or gal. Mm-hmm. And if you want the deal to close, use them. Mm-hmm. And you're in a competitive market, the buyer is going to be like, okay. Like it doesn't, it doesn't, it, you know, if you look back, it didn't come down to rate at that time because people were like, I just want to make sure I get the house. So whatever mm-hmm. the agent says they're going to do. Yeah. I think there's an element of that that still exists today when, you know, look at these numbers on, you know, you look at how many realtors are in the business and the percentage with all this advent of technology and all of these things, the realtor usage is still at an all time high. It hasn't come yeah. down. It actually went up. Up. went up. Yeah. Yep. So yeah. you look at that and go, okay, we've got all this amazing ability to make these decisions. And, and I, I come back to, I think that companies seriously underestimate the fact it's the largest transaction most people are going to do. Mm-hmm. There's a dual income to make any living in the United States anymore, both both, you know, everybody's working basically, and you need somebody to help them in the process and whatever that person says goes. Yeah. So I, I think that, I guess I'm going on this sort of tangent, but it, to me, it's, there's been this constant thing about disintermediating that agent because of the amount of money that they make. But I think where everybody gets it wrong is that people aren't going to go around that agent. They're going to be like, if they said to do this, to get the house, I got to do this. Yeah. Um, so I don't know, I guess maybe it's a question. Is technology really going to change that long-term for the consumer? Uh, short answer is I think yes to an extent, but I 100%, to be very clear, 100% agree with you. Uh, one of my biggest findings the last 10 years, if I could just go back and look at every single year and aggregate it, agents matter a lot. Mm-hmm. And there's a reason why you know, Loan Depot goes with Mellow, Rocket Homes comes out, and then you see, you know, like partnerships with like Lending Tree guys mm-hmm. up front who are trying to get the mortgage lead gen. There's a reason why the title insurers are buying or start establishing relationships with brokerages. Like, mm-hmm. there's a reason, right? Yeah. Um, and so I, I think the way that I would frame it is going back to RESPA with technology, you can you can set stuff up in a digital landscape that will draw consumers to that transaction without forcing them to it, right? Um, so I do think that could be helpful in some sense. Like Zillow's super app, I do think that there's potential there. Like I cover a company called Porch that does mm-hmm. home inspection yep. stuff, right? Yep. I like the idea because when you're moving, you know that there's lots of different things you have to check the box on, like literally check the box on, right? Yep. And so if you can have you know, getting a mortgage. Well, heck, when I get a mortgage, I know I'm going to have to have a new insurance policy that goes to that mortgage. Otherwise, it's not going to originate it. Or I got to get an inspection or I got to get mm-hmm. an appraisal. All these things, if you can take, because right now, 
as you guys very well know, the consumers have a lot of choice that they don't know they have a choice. They depend on the agent to do that for them, right? So yeah. like if I'm in a if I if I'm picking title insurance, at the end of the day, these guys are heavily regulated. If there's a loss, they're gonna have to pay. So like mm-hmm. it is kind of a commoditized offering. Yeah. So why would I not go with the Stewart policy cost me a thousand dollars over an, a fidelity policy, maybe it's fourteen hundred. Right. Mm-hmm. I do think there's ways that from a digital landscape, you set it up a certain way, take the consumer and you hear this whole like Domino's pizza tracker. It's, it's the overused example, but that's kind of what it is. Right. You put that's me into Keith's that process. Pet peeve, by the way. Yeah. It is, is it really? Yeah. You hear that yeah. all the time. Yeah. Oh, you're you're literally going to start ready. him on this. Yeah. Yeah. Freak yeah. out. Yeah. 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 Well, Cause it's not pizza. It's a house. It's, yeah. It, but, but I think the idea is it's a workflow. Right. It's yeah, a, it put, putting yes. you into a workflow where you have to make selections as a consumer to go to the next stage. For right? sure. What, For whatever sure. What, whatever yes. the example is. Yes. Domino's pizza. Bad no, it's idea, right. yeah, that, it's, no, that, it's okay. Keith, right. Keith, Keith got to hear the CEO of Domino's pizza explain that he's not a pizza company anymore. He's a tech company. Yeah, Keith lost his mind. That, that, yeah. you know, it's like Kelly, Kelly Williams. I mean, they came out a couple of years ago and said they're a tech company. Right? No, every, so look, everybody has said they're a tech company. Well, and, now in the market, you don't want to say that. You want to say right. I'm a cash generative <laughs> company. No, no right? now they're uh, AI uh, predictive, you know, or uh, chat GPT company. Right. Yeah, now right. everybody's saying that they're that. Yeah. Well, but, it was like Compass yeah. saying that they were a tech company. And I'm like, no, you're a real estate brokerage. Yeah. You make money the same as everybody else does. I'm not hitting on Compass. I'm just making the statement that, yeah. no, you're, you're not. I get the real ideas. You want the valuation of it. But like, let's let's call a spade a spade. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I would love to know, I, you mentioned this, and I think it's worth having this discussion on a little bit. So as you are, and by the way, so everybody who's you know listening and watching this pod, um, you got to sign up for, for John's reports he sends out. They're a little they're heady awesome. and like, they're, they're awesome though. Like they're, they're the best that I've seen about anybody covering. And you cover everybody from Zillow to Remax, every publicly traded company in, in the sector. They're all in there to learn about their earnings reports and so forth and so on, which is why I'm making the statement the lawsuits. So we had Burnett, which is the one in Missouri. Class action goes to trial in October. And then uh, uh, Morel, Morel, I don't know how you say the damn thing, Morel versus NER and a couple other major players um, just went class action. So I've been pretty vocal. I'm very nervous about them. Um, I think that they are a serious problem. And I don't think this is going to get swept under the rug like previous stuff. What's your take? Tell us what your opinion is. And I'm going to put you on the spot. Is there a point in time where you have to put that in your analysis on stock value? Yeah. Um, so, like I said, doing this for over 10 years, um, when I saw those court cases, and, and you guys know this well, I mean, there's ambulance chasers constantly. Oh, there's mm-hmm. a ghost in my basement, and I'm going to sue the, <laughs> the, the, the agent and the NAR as well. One. Why not? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like these are constant. When I went through the court case on moral in particular, it is very well framed up. Um, Mm-hmm. it's like you go to the CSI where you're getting the red ribbons and tying it to all these pieces. Like mm-hmm. they do a good job of, of, of laying it all out. And I do think there, there's things in the industry um, that are not pro-consumer. Um, I do think that the NAR to some extent has influence on the MLS system. It's really hard to sell your house off the MLS system. So therefore you kind of have to play their game, you know, uh, we can argue who's making the rules or whatnot, but I, I do think that they have heavily influence there. Um, and so 
I, I'm with you, James. I think these are big deals. Uh, I've been surprised um, not only from investors, but from companies themselves, as well as just agents in the field about people. It feels like some people are asleep with the will, you know, that they're just not really paying attention. Um, I think well, getting, it, yeah, some of that is this is going to be two, three, who knows how many years until this. More, yeah. yeah, right. Like, so while I know the average agent knows they should think about it, they're much more concerned with you know, inventory levels being where yeah. they are or, you know, unit count for yeah. 2023 and 2024. What are those going to be? Uh, they tend to, like most, uh, you know, folks, they're, they're trying to figure out the next 90 days, not the sure. next yeah. nine years. Yeah. But that definitely plays into it. They're on the front lines battling, mm -hmm. right? right? They, don't, they, they right. don't have the ability to take a big step back and be like, well, we need to protect our flank on this side, right? Like, right. And, that's, and that's natural. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think this, I'm, I'm, with, I'm with you, Keith. I think it's multiple years before we get any kind of resolution. I think we'll see changes. We already have, right? Yeah, Since this came now, out, right? yeah, NWMLS. I mean, like those, like they're publishing commission rates. Like these are little iterations I think will happen. Um, we're going to see copycat. There's be all sorts There's of class action. There's going to be tons of copycats. Every single region. Mm -hmm. It's, it's mm -hmm. going to be all over Inman. So this is just getting started, I feel like, from a noise standpoint. Yeah. Um, I, I personally think, I think the industry is way oversaturated. I think the fact that, you know, like I, I read a stat the other day and I, I would love your opinion on it, but like two thirds of an agent's time is spent searching for new business, like farming leads, working CRM systems, stuff like that. Like agents can do a lot more, I feel like. Um, and so to me, I just feel like this industry, like whether this lawsuit actually um, pans out or not. I, I do think the industry, I think we're heading to like maybe half the agents we see out there today and the good agents are the ones that really rise to the surface. Cause I do think oftentimes like part of the reason we hear about disruption and cause people have it bad experiences when you've got 1.3, mm -hmm. 1.4 million realtors, you're going to inevitably run across somebody who gives you a terrible experience. You're going to think you overpaid and yada, yada. Right. So I do think this could be in the grand scheme of things, a healthy thing for the industry. I think the tech vendors and guys like that probably win in the longer term as, as they help people become more efficient. Um, but but aren't a lot of those tech vendors need the agent count to hit the numbers that they've put up that they say they're going to go hit. Yeah, but I think when when it comes down to it, like I mean, some vendors are gonna are gonna price on transactions. Sure. And and I think you could see you could make an argument that more transactions happen. It unsticks if it's cheaper for consumers, like mm -hmm. the switching costs are less. That it could you could see more transactions. So like all that's kind of a TBD. But I do think there's changes coming. Right? I totally yeah. totally um, agree. Yeah. And I so think the current will, the current state essentially of lots of MLSs and lots of associations and one almost 1.6 million members, you're saying basically cut that in half? Yeah. Is that? I, I think yeah. from MLS system, I mean, like when Bright MLS is acquiring MLSs on the West Coast, so I mean, like th that's just the start of a consolidation mm -hmm. period. Mm -hmm. And well, here, here's what uh, we've been saying, you know, I'll say to anyone who will listen who's in the industry, especially if they're an agent who you know makes their living from transactions, this is a terrible time in these next few years Will be a terrible time to be average yeah and it, and it will be a really great time to be great yeah because i think you know, we could debate 50 percent. that sounds like a big number that'll probably we'll probably snip that and you know make people want to listen to the pod when they hear you say 50 percent <laughs> of them are going to go away right but the reality is that it, there will be fewer we could debate percentages right yeah. and it probably is oversaturated and so being great at the craft 
of residential mm-hmm. real estate. That never goes out of that is timeless. Whatever yeah. the changes are that are coming, the ones who are great at the craft will continue to have a viable way to feed their families and, and you know, go on vacations and do the things they like yeah. to do. Well, one thing's for sure to add on top of that, and I think we could all agree on this, is the agents need to start doing a better job of articulating their value. Like in general, they have to be able to show a buyer what they do. It can't be, I'm just here and this is what I, you know, this is the services I provide. It needs to get very specific. Same thing on the sell side. Um, You know, I, I think that what we have proven is that consumers want to have an agent involved. The question is, how and then essentially how are they compensated because yeah. if this change comes across just for the listeners basically what the the end goal of these lawsuits is to separate buy and sell side commissions so buyer's agents paid by the buyer seller's agent paid by the seller that's yeah. essentially what the the full the full goal of it is and i think you know john to your point if we do go down that road there will be a lot of consolidation i also tend to be in your camp i think it'll be a better industry and more professional mm-hmm. um certainly a lot of consolidation and brokerage mls's and associations but i what i don't worry about is the fact people want somebody to help them through this process and i don't think it's an amazon shopping cart to buy a house like that's just yeah. not that doesn't Agreed. nothing that i see shows that um, well, John, I, uh, I wanted to say thank you for being on the show sure. today. It was awesome to hear from you. I always learn something new whenever I talk to you. Um, and uh, for everybody who wants to follow John, we'll have some of his information in the description. You can sign up for his, uh, his reports. They're amazing. Um, I usually call John and have him try to explain it to me half the time because <laughs> it's like the reading, reading the back of a shampoo bottle. At times. Yeah. yeah. His, uh, his, his MBA comes through and I'm like, man, I don't understand half of that shit. So, um, me either. but yeah, and I don't understand a shampoo bottle cause I don't have any hair. So uh, that is true. Yeah. yeah, that is true. Well, again, thanks John for being on the show today. And, uh, we'll look forward to having you back in, uh, in the future as well. So Sounds thanks great. John. Thanks for the time guys. Thanks for joining us for today's podcast. Subscribe now so you never miss an episode.